Hey folks, Brian Cook, your host here with a couple of words from our sponsor, T-Fury. T-Fury is the original pop culture t-shirt destination, selling unique designs every day since 2008. You can snag their shirts for only 24 hours starting at midnight. Missing a shirt from the past and want to get it again? Head to the T-Fury Gallery, where you can buy some old designs still in print and vote on others to come back from the dead. Every two to four weeks, T-Fury add more designs to their gallery, so be sure to keep an eye out for the return of your favorite shirts. T-Fury shirts cover all your favorite topics and fandoms. They've got everything from gaming, sci-fi, anime, TV, movies, pop culture, and more. Their t-shirts change daily, so check back as often as you'd like. Also, don't forget about the T-Fury After Hours sale. If you missed the day's shirts by only a little, they keep the sale going into the wee hours of the morning just for you. Check out tfury.com slash Nerdist and see what today's shirt is all about. Now entering Nerdist.com. Hello and welcome to episode 58 of the Competitive Erotic Fan Fiction Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Cook, and you've found the internet's number one most trusted source for Muppet boners and horny loners. Today we've got kind of a weird one. Due to some audio difficulties the last time I was in Portland, you're only going to hear part of this show, which was recorded live at the Blue Bunk back on November 14th, 2013. We'll start off with round one competitors Anthony Lopez and Veronica Heath reading pieces they wrote in advance, then jump to round two, where you're going to hear Barbara Holm, Paul Jay, and Shane Torres read pieces they wrote based upon audience suggestions. One quick note, Shane Torres's audience suggestion was his own gross ponytail. That's a quote. And speaking of the Blue Monk, I'll be there this Saturday, March 22nd, 2014. It's an early show. Doors at 6 p.m. Bring the kids. I'm just kidding. Don't bring the kids. It's 21 plus. Tickets available at brownpapertickets.com. You can also see me doing stand-up in Portland March 21st at Funny Over Everything at the Hollywood Theater with Beth Stelling. Hey, all right. So I did my favorite movie of the year so far, Gravity. I hope you've seen it. <laughs> 370 mi- 372 miles above the Earth, a lone Sawyer escape shuttle floats peacefully through the cold darkness of space. Inside the shuttle, Dr. Ryan Stone sits weeping, listening to an Inuit fisherman sing a baby to sleep. <laughs> Unbeknownst to him, he's also singing her to sleep. Just keep singing, Ryan says, as she shuts down the life support systems. Alums begin to go off into the shuttle. The type of loans, loans that just scream, What the fuck are you doing, stupid? Don't do that. You need these to live. <laughs> she ignores the warnings, turns down the lights, and closes her eyes. She soon starts to feel sleep come, up, come upon her. Somewhere deep down, she thinks, I always knew it would end this way. And right then, she hears a tap, tap, tap. She opens her eyes, and outside in the cold, darkness space, she sees Lieutenant Mac Kowalski. He opens the shuttle door like a man who doesn't give two shits about how the vacuum of space works. <laughs> Ryan covers her face like that would do anything in this situation. But it works, because he gets in, shuts the door behind him. Three hours and 16 minutes, he says as he takes his helmet off. How, how did you get here, asked Ryan. Oh, trust me. It's one hell of a story. Matt begins to turn the O2 and lights back on. All right, you ready to go home, he asks. No, the shuttle's out of fuel. We're stranded. Well, Matt responds, what about the landing rockets? We're not trying to land, Ryan snaps. Whoa, 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 check your tone, bitch. You're trying to save us. <laughs> look, look, I get it. I know it's easy to suffer, suffer a tragedy, like your daughter dying or this accident, and just want to sit back and turn off the lights and just drift off. But you gotta make a choice. I mean, look down there and think about all the things that that you should live for. Like what, Matt? What keeps you going? Ryan, you know, I would love to say science or discovery or out, but I'm gonna be completely honest with you, it's all that pussy. (laughs) I mean, look down there. Four billion vaginas just waiting to get fucked. Stop joking, Matt! This isn't the time! Tell me something true! Tell me something honest! I am! But you want to hear some honesty? You want to hear the truth? Out of the four billion pussies on that planet, the only one I want right now isn't even on Earth. <laughs> if you're so desperate to die anyway, 
away, why not go out with one more ride before you go? <laughs> Ryan at first was bothered by the idea, disgusted to be honest, until she looked deep in Matt's eyes and realized she was sitting next to the hottest astronaut ever. <laughs> like through reels, guys. <laughs> like Buzz Aldrin, pretty fuckable. <laughs> but this guy, like, could theoretically have been People's Magazine's sexiest person. Let's say, 97, 2006, maybe? <laughs> so Ryan thinks, okay, let's do it. Matt, uh, Matt already has his tongue in her mouth before she can finish. He strips off her space clothes and grabs her by the tits and lifts her straight up so her hoo-ha is staring her straight in the face. And he goes down on her like the shuttle Columbia re-entering those atmosphere. Now Matt knows how to eat pussy and he is blowing Ryan's mind right now. He slides his fingers in her and Ryan begins to feel something she's never felt before. Matt starts to finger her faster and faster and the feeling in Ryan builds till out of nowhere her pussy rockets off his face as she squirts zero G pussy juice all through the cabinet. Now Ryan's seen a squirter or two in his day before, but never in zero G. And he's blown away by the force as it launches her across the small castle. <laughs> Ryan, collecting herself, wants it so bad. Until she looks over and sees a blob of vaginal fluid slowly floating through the cabinet. Getting in the sugar tree and setting off spokes now is like a firework show in there. And Ryan just needs it. She floats back over to Matt, pulls down his pants, and sees nine inches of corn-fed cock. The type that just makes you proud to be an American. She grabs a hold of it and pulls herself onto him. He thrusts into her and she flies off. <laughs> you gotta understand, nothing is easy in space. Especially not sex. So Matt kind of pulls her around, pulls her back in, gets himself back in. Again, another thrust, she flies off. He begins to panic. You go, okay, how about this? How about, uh, I sit here. You kind of go like reverse cowgirl. Yeah, it's like that, okay, cool. She gets on, but she can't get any good leverage, you see, because it's space. So again, she flies off again. And then he's like, okay, okay, how about this? You turn around. No, actually, I'm going to float upside down and do doggy style that way. Okay, okay, that's not working. Okay, okay, how about this? How about this? You turn around, put that hand there, put this, no, your foot right there, that foot right there, no, your other foot, your other, what other foot do you think I'm talking about? Stop moving that left foot, Jesus Christ! Okay, no, stop, brace yourself, okay, 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 good, that's good, that's good, alright, I'm gonna try. Oh, Jesus, give me one second, I gotta get this back up, okay, alright. You know, funny thing, it's not technically down, because in space there is no down. Not the time? Okay. They finally get this working, showing some of that ingenuity that got, got America to the moon first. He pins himself inside her and starts to raw dog her good old fashioned style. Man, Matt, Matt thrusts inside of her once, twice, three times. And then he realizes like the shuttle challenger, he's gonna blow away too early. <laughs> Matt pulls out just in time and tries to come on her back. But instead, he kind of just sort of watches it as it shoots out and floats towards her a little bit. <laughs> but then she moves, and the air in the cabinet moves, and it's supposed to float back towards him, and he's really grossed out by this, because he doesn't want to get touched by his own cum, right? But he's like, ew, don't let it touch me, don't let it touch me. It's supposed to back away, the small capsule. Where's he gonna go, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like it, I like it, I like it. Then Ryan turns around with the left hand, grabs it, and brings his seat towards her face and puts it right in her mouth. Mmm. I can see you've been eating all those dehydrated pineapples we had on the craft. 
Matt looks at his watch and thinks, well, you know, we got 45 minutes till the breed comes back around. Give me 15 and we can go again. Ryan smiles, never having wanted anything more in her life. When, beep, 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 Ryan wakes up. It was all a dream. She was alone on the shuttle, but it was a hot, sexy dream. And she has six, six ounces of vaginal fluid making the way out of the suit to prove it. <laughs> she woke up a different person, though. No longer wanting to die, wanting to live, and more importantly, wanting to fuck. That's right, right there she lies. What is she so sad about? There's four billion cops on that planet just waiting to give it to me. You know what? I'm glad my daughter's dead. All she did was hold me back from fucking everybody. I'm gonna get back to Earth and I'm gonna fuck everyone. As soon as she starts to like get the shuttle going, she thinks to herself, when I get back to Earth, I'm gonna get out of the NASA space shuttle, space shuttle business and get into the train business. <laughs> Thank you. Everyone else. Here we go for your next comic, Veronica Heath. player who was known for stealing second base, sliding in head first with his dick in the dirt. <laughs> he was a simple man, but at least he was pretty. He spent most of his MLB money on hookers, blow, and various deli meats. His ex-wife had just kicked the bucket, so he recently regained custody of his super plain daughter, Sam. <laughs> who would later become a real boner maker. With this, Tony realized that he couldn't live in his bitchin' van anymore. As Tony put it, his van was big, blue, and ready for sex. Tony did not, Tony didn't understand rhyming. He looked through the paper for a place to live because this was the 80s and they didn't have the internet yet. Uh, one for rent ad stuck out because it was also a job. Housekeeping for rent. Uh, oh, there we go. <laughs> Clean a house? I could do that. I could lift up couches and vacuum underneath them, he thought out loud like a fucking idiot. <laughs> the, the ad also stood out because, the because of the homeowner's name. Angela. How exotic. <laughs> he thought. When he called, Angela said that he, would have to come and, that he would have to come and check the place out. She, her mother, and her son lived in the house, but there was room for two more. She also said that the right adult roommate would have to pass some of the boss's tests. He would, he would have thought that was weird, but like I said, he's real dumb. <laughs> he arrived at the nice house and rang the doorbell. An uptight blonde lady with an unslept face answered the door. <laughs> Hi, Tony. I'm Angela. Oh. <laughs> Said his handsome, stupid face. <laughs> realizing the angle-angel mix-up from earlier. Angela looked like she loved worrying and hated coming. <laughs> oh, how wrong he was. <laughs> what she meant by passing tests as Angela tore off her navy pantsuit with the slight of hand that would make David Blaine or Bertie Madoff jealous. Bertie It was then that Angela revealed her humongous cock. Her meat swinger had more veins than lanes on an L.A. freeway. And like an L.A. freeway, her lady dick was congested. <laughs> and it was just about time for rush hour. <laughs> you seem like you're in the ass tub, are you? She asked. He smiled, letting her know that he was totally into what was about to go down. He teased, butt stuff, me? 
come on. That's the plan, she said. Bending her over, bending him over and moving her throb. <laughs> moving her throbbing cock with ink from all the pens in the office that she seemed to live at. <laughs> she worked long hours and loved complaining about it, almost as much as she loved khaki pants and her big fat cum carrier. <laughs> oh god, what is that? Why is your dick that color? <laughs> this is how I mark my territory. Tony also didn't understand puns. <laughs> but he was happy to let her rub the end of her wiener all over his balloon knot. <laughs> That's a butthole. <laughs> Tony was already ferociously jacking off his man dick as she slowly, <laughs> she slowly slid into his honey-baked ham. <laughs> it didn't take long before they were both ready to pop. And just then, Angela, Angela pulled out in like a sword fighting scene from Game of Thrones, they crossed dicks and came together. <laughs> Whoa, more like Game of Moans, said Joey Lawrence, who happened to be walking past the door. <laughs> in that moment for some reason, and also because my Tony Danza accent sounds too much like Joey <laughs> Okay, you passed my test, Angela said, but you still have to impress the boss. Who's the boss? Tony asked. Angela smirked and looked at camera three. <laughs> This is my mother, Mona. In front of him stood a geriatric sex machine, obviously looking for a one-way ticket to Fuck City. I like that part too. Follow me, said Mona, as she led Tony into her dimly lit milf lair. As she disrobed, it was clear that her red drapes did in fact match her lava lap. Tony, still dumb and naked, laid down, laid down on her giant circle-shaped rotating bed. Have you, have you ever heard of a Gumby? Yes. No, just the green clay. No, shh, shh, you're stupid. Shut. No talking. This is a Gumby. Yeah. <laughs> she then slowly slid her wet dentures out of her mouth. <laughs> and gobbled his skin whistle with the grace and ease of a circus sword swallower. <laughs> you tried having four beers and saying that. Alright. <laughs> Her smooth but nubby gums felt amazing on his piñata stick. Just when he was about to explode like a soda left in the freezer, Mona jumped on top of him and rode him like Paul Revere on his way into town. But this time, it wasn't the British that were coming in. Tony came all up in those right guts. yet to come, sat on Tony's face and almost suffocated him via extra hangy, saggy skin. Sorry. Oh no, not, I'm actually not sorry yet. Just wait. Um, one second. He screamed for help, which made her orgasm immediately.
god. Okay, that would be like this. You want to lick the batter? She asked. Spread eagle and near death per usual. to flower, he stupidly answered like an idiot. <laughs> well, you passed my test too, but you still have to impress the boss. <laughs> Who is the boss? <laughs> Tony asked again, getting stupider. <laughs> Mona deadpans to camera too. <laughs> I'm almost done, this is kind of short, sir. Just then, a young man with feathery blonde hair and the body of a ten-year-old girl walked in the room. Chaps on legs and whip in hand. Hi, Tony, I'm Jonathan. And I'm the boss. Now get on your knees. Sherlock Holmes. I didn't pick it. Um, I, I did write X Men and Buffy like a hundred times in there, and yet something that don't. My old friend and acquaintance, the manic, depressive, suicidal, brilliant, uh, white, straight, rich, super genius Sherlock Holmes, sure had a very hard life. <laughs> but not as hard as his, his big dick. <laughs> Whenever he gazed upon me, his roommate and partner, Dr. John Watson, <laughs> one day I said, Holmes, my good man, have you been uh, whiling away, staying awake for 48 hours, playing violin and counting Beatles for no reason? <laughs> Holmes sheepishly said yes, because he was embarrassed that that was the sound he made when he masturbated his giant cock dick wiener. <laughs> oh, you poor tortured man-man, I said. I, op I opened my strong, handsome doctor arms, and I said, come here, let me hold you. <laughs> As I... This, it's weird writing from a male perspective. <laughs> As I put my big uh, arms around his, my, my partner, I felt Sherlock's throbbing cock dick press against my tweed-clad thigh. <laughs> That's when Sherlock's deductive skills kicked in. <laughs> my dear Watson, uh, he said, I, I can uh, divine from the, the perspiration in your brow and your leftward tilt of your elegant hand that you want to suck the shit out of this dick. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I eagerly knelt down and unbuttoned Holmes's pants. Sherlock's giant cock popped out of the pants and leapt into my lips. Uh, <laughs> I, I ran my tongue uh, down the supple dick shaft of Sherlock's wiener cock. I sucked so hard that my head got late. Uh, then, then Sherlock abruptly withdrew his massive penis wiener cock shaft and, and it turned me around and started fucking me in the ass butthole. And I know you guys are probably thinking, like, Babs, did you miss the part where we undid Watson's underwear? No, because that's how big Sherlock's dick is, that it just popped right through his underwear. Like, really big dick. Um, that, uh, that, that, that's when the, the, uh, the bell rang downstairs, uh, and I said, uh, what was that? And my, my good friend Sherlock shot a load all over my face. <laughs> Sherlock said, well, based on the number of times the bell has been rung at this particular hour, we can infer it is only one person. I, I wiped the mangoo juice from my uh, inquisitive face. The captain? I said. <laughs> no, said Sherlock, the woman. <laughs> 
I said, my good Sherlock, uh, I do believe that the trope of consistently referring to the character commonly known in canon as Irene Adler's character as the woman, labeling her as a femme fatale, kind of enforces a one-dimensional stereotype of a woman. <laughs> And as many of our audience uh, will say, like, women are beautiful, amazing, and deserve to be fucking respected. <laughs> Quite right, said Sherlock. I, I shall go impart this knowledge unto her. <laughs> Downstairs went my good friend Sherlock, and he saw Irene. Is that her name? Yeah. Because yeah. uh, uh, they fucking call her the woman. Give her a fucking name. <laughs> Downstairs went Sherlock, and he saw Irene standing in the stairwell, uh, her uh, long auburn brown hair flowing behind her, wearing a dark green dress, licking her dainty elf-like lips sensuously. Uh, Irene said, Sherlock, you look just as gorgeous as you are strong and brilliant. I only wish uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle give you a, a, more, a more dynamic role in the series so, so that the Sherlock stories more often pass the Bechdel test. <laughs> Oh my god, that's so fucking hot. That's a really beautiful super genus, Irene Adler. <laughs> Irene turned, uh, Sherlock turned Irene away from himself and pressed her against the wall and slipped his dick into her dripping wet pussy. <laughs> Sherlock groaned in pleasure and said, Irene, I, I respect your importance as more than a character archetype, but a multifunctional symbol of the powerful sensuality of womanhood. <laughs> And then he pulled the fucking shit out of her hair. <laughs> Don't come up to me after the show. <laughs> oh God, oh God, screamed Irene as Sherlock thrust in and out of her tiny wet pussy cunt. He <laughs> He reached around and uh, shoved his fingers into her beautiful lips and slapped her hard on her tight little fucking ass. He, he grabbed her by her slender hips and crammed his giant man dick up against her G-spot. Irene, you guys, it's supposed to be funny, funny, so don't get like too turned on. But I mean, if you get like, turned on, like don't get too turned on. I mean, if you want to, then do it. Just do it. <laughs> Irene screamed as Sherlock pounded the shit out of her like she'd never been fucked before. He slapped her on the ass again as she squirted all over his giant man dick, <laughs> dripping beautiful lady juices all over the floor. <laughs> I Irene's vagina was so tight that it almost seemed to push it against Sherlock's man dick. God, you're so tiny, muttered Sherlock. You, you're tiny like Watson's little buttocks. <laughs> Sherlock could barely control himself. He could tell from the slant of her muscular thigh and the position of her gorgeous lady G-spot that she wanted to be flipped over and have her legs pinned behind her head. <laughs> like the fucking slut she was. <laughs> I mean, strong feminist, like beautiful, intelligent icon that sometimes maybe just wants to be fucking objectified. <laughs> said Sherlock. Irene replied, oh my god, consent language. <laughs> yeah, that's right, you filthy bitch. <laughs> I'm gonna cram this mandic wiener all the way into your vagina. <laughs> like shit while simultaneously idolizing your intelligence, said Sherlock. <laughs> Ar Irene shouted, uh, I want a genius intellect in the streets and a manic psychopath in the sheets. <laughs> Sherlock replied, this is a stairwell, not sheets, you fucking idiot. Uh, uh, he pinned her long, gorgeous legs behind her head and twisted her tiny athletic body into a pretzel-like shape. Uh, I, Irene's cum lady juices squirted all over the stairwell. Uh, her cum made such a disgusting, it was such a, like, a big disgusting mess. It was bigger than Stephen Moffat trying to explain race and gender in relation to Sherlock and Dr. Who. Nerds. <laughs> 
Say my name, you dirty girl, yelled Sherlock, pulling her hair. Sherlock Holmes, she said. Sherlock Holmes, inquired a voice from behind them. Yeah, that's me, said Sherlock, as he pivoted away from Irene's uh, beautiful vagina. Hello, it's me, Moriarty. Sherlock smiled at his, at his most formidable but equal foe. They started kissing, and then... <laughs> and then Moriarty turned Sherlock around and started fingering Irene. Uh, but Sherlock anticipated that, and he did, a, he did a spin move and jumped onto a chair and put his balls on Moriarty's face. But Moriarty anticipated that, and he ducked the ball tuck, and he took Sherlock's giant, throbbing, erect man-dick cock wiener into his mouth and started sucking it really hard. But Sherlock anticipated that, so... He had given Watson a PBJ sandwich 10 hours ago, knowing that Watson would probably suck his dick that night, and that Moriarty would have had a nut allergy, and if Moriarty sucked his dick after Watson sucked his dick. <laughs> Moriarty fell back in horror. Sherlock, you bastard! <laughs> I may be dying, but I have placed a bomb in a place, and you will have to make a, some sort of decision to sacrifice either yourself or the person you called the woman, or your best friend, Watson. <laughs> oh, shut up, said Sherlock. I never die whenever you do this sort of situation. I always come back. And, and, then, and then Sherlock came all over Moriarty's face. And a creamy, waterfall, beautiful juice of orgasmic uh, squirty jizz. Sherlock turned back to Irene and started going down on her quivering, beautiful, gorgeous vagina pussy. Uh, his tongue elegantly simulating her little dainty clitoris after she came for a fourth time. Uh, Sherlock <laughs> went to wash the pussy juice from his perfect, beautiful man cheekbones. Uh, when he returned to go down on her more because he was a fucking gentleman, uh, Irene was gone, and somehow also so was his wallet. <laughs> woman, sighed Sherlock. That was when I, uh, Dr. John Watson, came down the stairs. Holmes, my good man. Yes, Watson, would you like to fuck the shit out of my asshole again? I suppose so. And then Sherlock Holmes started putting his penis into my butt again. Oh my god, Sherlock, I screamed. How did you get so good at fucking? Elementary, my dear Watson. impressions. The sun was setting on the home of the Tanner family when Alf felt a rumbling in his stomach. Hachi mama, said the squat furry alien. Why am I so hungry? I'm, I must have skipped French. What's crunch, Alf? said young Brian Tanner as he walked in from the yard. It's a Melmac meal, boy. It comes between lunch and breakfast. What's breakfast? It's whatever the heck I want. Ha! But it's usually a plump. Juicy, overfed, unsuspecting, as Alf listed adjectives. <laughs> he was edging closer and closer to the Tanner's cat, Lucky, who was sitting on the arm of the sofa. Lucky was licking himself. Alf stopped in his tracks. He had never noticed before just how pink and wet a cat's tongue was. 
or how far a cat could stretch one leg back over its head <laughs> to grant that tongue access to its most off-limits of areas. And as Alf watched, down in the furry cleft between Lucky's hindquarters, a perfect tiny pink cat boner sprouted like a lily after a rain. fraction of a second later wearing a tuxedo and carrying a bouquet. <laughs> Lucky, you glorious creature! I must have you! Take me now! Lucky blinked both eyes very slowly. Then he climbed onto Alf's face and jammed his pussy boner into one of Alf's weird alien nose holes. <laughs> Lucky began to pump away, yowling with pleasure. Alf moaned and writhed. Oh, Lucky, I never knew it could be like this. And the backward-pointing penis spikes are doing wonders for my clogged sinuses. <laughs> Brian, you gotta try this. <laughs> but just then, the mood was shattered. No, no, Alf, don't fuck the cat. said family patriarch Willie Tanner. Neither of you are spayed, and you, your Lynn and I don't have time to take care of some weird half-cat, half-alien face babies. <laughs> Lucky yelled one final time and collapsed, spent. I'm sorry, Willie, said Alf, but it's hard to stop the love machine once the pump's been primed. Alf, said Willie, you didn't let me finish. Don't fuck the cat. Fuck me, you alien slut puppet. <laughs> Willie ripped his pants off in one sudden smooth motion. Willie, how long have you been wearing breakaway pants? <laughs> For four consecutive hit seasons, said Willie. I was starting to think you'd never notice. Willie stripped his ass bare and bent over the couch. Now put that snout right up in me, you beautiful, hilarious, brown, plush ass monster. <laughs> Alf shrugged and complied. <laughs> closing his weird hair beak as tight as he could. Until it was the approximate shape of the kind of dildo only sold on very late night Japanese children's television. Then he rammed it into Willie's asshole like a sailor shoving an artillery shell into a warm gun. <laughs> hey, said Alf, gasping between pumps in and out, like an Olympic uh, marathon swimmer. I'm ripped for your pleasure! Huh. <laughs> hey, what about me? Said Brian, who had been forgotten in a corner. I want Alf inside me, too. He makes this family worth watching. Agreed, said Alf, gasping for breath as he pulled his face free of Willie's pie cupboard. Line it up, Brighto. I'm going to have you for brunch. <laughs> Brian poised his bare ass next to Willie's, and Alf switched between face-reaming the two of them like a Halloween midget bobbing for chocolate apples. Willie cried. I'm getting butt-plugged by the funniest, coolest, sexiest alien who's not your wife, said Willie's wife, Kate. <laughs> Daddy, no, said his daughter, Lynn. The two ladies stood appalled at the top of the stairs. Daddy, Brian, you can't. 
Have them all to yourself, said Lynn, knocking her father and brother aside and thrusting her pantied mound in Alf's dripping face. Lynn, don't you dare, said Kate. I saw him first. And Kate tackled Lynn to the floor, and they locked themselves into a half-cat fight, half-tit battle over who would service the pudgy alien first. And as they all lost their minds together, another voice, a voice none of the tanners had heard before, suddenly yelled from below their very feet, None of you shitty bitches will have him! He's mine! I created him! He's mine! And with that, producer, creator, puppeteer, and showrunner Paul Fusco stood up from beneath the floor, turgid as an anchor and naked as the sea. Except, except for the elf puppet, still encasing his right hand. You're all right. You're all correct. He is the funniest and coolest and sexiest character in the history of television. And now he's gonna blow me. And with that, Fusco grabbed his own pulsating love knob with his puppeted hand, whipping Alf up and down on top of himself. And if you, so that if you turn your head sideways, it looked like a fat weasel playing an albino harmonica. <laughs> the Tanners finished, finished themselves off, falling over the couch into a giant pile as Alf worked Fusco's dick into a final frenzy, spurting his love juice all over the fuzzy brown moneymaker. All of their screams of pleasure, nearly, but not quite, drowning out the frenzied laughter of the studio audience. <laughs> and with his last post-coital strength, Fusco lifted the puppet over the groaning, deflating heap of fuck flesh, opened his mouth and said, To be continued? <laughs> Sure himself that he 
that he was doing something right in his life. Everyone in the crowd noticed his ponytail more and more. Noticing that its imperfections were in fact the thing that made it so stunning. Like the mole on Cindy Crawford's face. Or the sores on a meth addict's lips. I would love to see that mane of hair first thing in the morning. Some of the women ponder to this one. Jesus, he must use some kind of Egyptian hair oil to get it that silky. Thought all the men in the audience. My God, Barbara Holm thought. Men and women are equal, but Shane's hair is superior to all things. As the wind... This is the damn loudest poetry reading I've ever been to. Uh, as the women in the crowd grew wetter and wetter at the Blue Monk, they were a danger of flooding the basement of this charming jazz bar. I mean, seriously, guys, people were about to start sending in supplies because this place was going to be more wet than the Philippines. <laughs> The men's cocks harder and harder than the rape scene in American History X. As Shane let his hair down, the crowd squealed with delight. Letting out a sigh of relief that can only be described as orgasmic. <laughs> the men came so hard they were all going to have to take a trip to the dry cleaners in the morning. <laughs> the, when, the women leaving such moisture on their chairs it was as if they had popped water balloons in their pussies. <laughs> Shane holding the crowd in the palm of his hand was as cool as ever. <laughs> the only one in the room not impressed was Brian Cook. <laughs> the host of the middling podcast competitive erotic fan fiction and all around angry ginger fuck. Shane thought to himself, maybe Brian shouldn't be such a shitty bearded malcontent. <laughs> After all, Shane did pick up Brian at the airport at 1.30 in the morning yesterday. <laughs> and gave him a place to crash while he was in town. <laughs> Alas, Shane, being the man of incredible intuition that he is, knew Brian was just mad because he had a tiny liver-spotted penis. <laughs> Shyly, Shane winked at Brian. And terrified, Brian did not know what was next. As Shane approached him and planted his cock firmly in Brian's mouth. This is the part I need you to help me with. Planning uh, <laughs> it with such a force that Brian's ears popped like he was about to take off on whatever bargain Expedia flight he could afford to get to the City of Roses the night before. God, Brian thought, this cock in my mouth feels better than the time my dad almost told me I love you. As 
worked his dick through Brian's filthy cock pocket like, a, like an army of child soldiers through a village of peasants. Or an Asian with an eye patch in traffic. The crowd knew that this was something they would tell their grandchildren about. When Shane finished and left a crime scene's worth of evidence in his mouth, <laughs> Brian's neck snapped back like a death row inmate being strapped in for lethal injection. How was that, Brian gulped? If I want any lip from you, I will scrape it off my zipper, Shane replied. <laughs> Shane walked off the stage. The crowd gave the ponytail a raucous applause. Thank you. Shane Torres, we're gonna have to come back down the stage. All right. I will once again remind you of uh, what everybody wrote. Um, first. I just want to say, whoever suggested Shane Torres's gross ponytail, uh, you get into all of my shows for free for the rest of this year. Uh, I'll remind you once again of what everybody wrote. We started with Sean Jordan with Zorro, then Jimmy Newstetter with MacGyver, Barbara Holm with Sherlock Holmes, Paul J with Alf, and Shane Torres with his own gross ponytail. So, with your applause, starting with Sean Jordan Zorro. Jimmy Newsetter MacGyver. Barbara Holmes, Sherlock Holmes. Now leaving Nerdist.com.